0: previously on the tony cornheiser show all you have to do if you are listening to me now all you have to do is go to the ticket booth and say la cheeserie you yeah, know, I mean, you can say it
1: softly if you're embarrassed. Oh, but say it loudly. Say la cheeserie, and
0: you're going to be let in for free.
1: You'd be crazy not to do this. Maybe maybe uh, delay the salute until you're inside the gate, but <laughs> yeah, definitely say la cheeserie. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're hoping that as many as 10 people do that. And ask for a Whopper and fries. Yeah, and see how much it costs.
0: The Tony Kornizer Show
1: is on now.
0: So I would have set the over-under at the amount of people who would go to the Syracuse Mets game last night and say, "La to be let in free. I would have said it at six. And the reason I would have <laughs> said it at six is because I don't really believe that that many people in the area of Syracuse, New York, listen to this show, maybe 50, you know, and not all of them could get there. My high school classmate Stephen Pearsall listens. He lives in Cortland. He goes to Syracuse games a lot, Syracuse basketball games a lot. He might have gone, but he didn't go. He didn't go. So I don't know. I would have set it at six. Michael, where would you have set the number?
1: What, so what do you and think? By the way, I don't have the number What do you yet. think the capacity of their stadium is? Know,
0: probably... Eight to ten thousand.
1: Okay, we're going standing room only because La Cesarine Night is a destination <laughs> wedding.
0: So, uh, how? So you would think it would be many people. I would have so, said
1: six. I would assume most people are traveling with either a friend, significant other, somebody in their family inner circle, another listener. So I'm going to go up to thirty. Up to thirty.
0: I have heard, and I don't know for a fact. Jason has not emailed us. I don't believe the president of the team. Well, we oh, can no, go he,
1: back. We can go back.
0: You know, I don't think we have an email. But I have heard from secondhand source that Claire Natola is saying there were like 70 people. 70 people. I don't know if that's true. We have some email later in the show. I don't know how many. What do you got? I did did get
2: one. Sorry, I forwarded it to Michael late last night. I must not have gotten it. Um, Yeah, but he says, "I've, I've now been part of an inside joke, secret promotion that worked to perfection and made 75 people
0: happy. So that, 75 yeah. people at the yes. Cheesery Night. I'm also told that Michael Sands sent swag to the Syracuse Mets, including <laughs> some glassware and a, and a Calvert Woodley t shirt. I'm told that happened. And, Commander-
1: and those were giveaways. That is fantastic. He didn't send any of the cheese.
0: I don't know that he sent any of the actual cheese. La Chieserie is an actual cheese counter. That's all it is. It's a small cheese counter in a liquor store. That's all it is. But it now has nationwide fame. Do you see the pictures of Dan Byrne? I haven't seen the pictures of Dan. I haven't seen him. I have some emails to read later in the show. Okay. Well, the the emails have pictures attached. And I understand also that they one of the items (coughs) that they sold. Was a hot dog for five dollars with sea salt on it, <laughs> and that one was a TK burger and fries basket, and they sold it not for thirteen seventy two, but for thirteen twenty four. Wasn't it thirteen seventy two? Was the Burger King price? That for was me? the Burger Yes, he, and they sold says, it for thirteen twenty four, which I didn't understand. He, said, he says he. I found sold that the, the, out from DG. DG <laughs> wrote me about his cousin going. Yes. It's Jason going.
2: Jason wrote me and said they sold
0: them for 1327 and he says they actually $13. sold two of those. So. Two, just two. So yes. it, it is an incredible honor that this happened and an even greater honor that more than 6 people showed up. This will encourage people all around the country to do this and I just think it's very nice. 75, that's the count? This wait till next year. Wow, right. that's that's amazing. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> It says Chatter was the official sponsor of the game and had its logo up on the video board.
0: There is no Chatter. <laughs> it doesn't That's exist. Brilliant. That's brilliant. Wow. Uh, by the way, speaking of um, Littles, I was playing PB Dye Golf Course the other day before Columbia reopened. I ran into Neil from Rockville. He's a member there. I just thought I'd mention that. Ran into Neil from Rockville. I'm just amazed at this thing. Um, so, so the big news in the world is Queen Elizabeth passing away. 96 years old, am I correct? 96? Yes. And she had been the queen for how long? Uh, I think since, I want to say 1947, maybe. She's been the queen longer than I'm alive. I'm the oldest person you know. And she's been the queen longer than I'm alive. I have said this many times. I was in her company once. It was this odd. I never understood it. She went to a Baltimore Orioles game at Camden Yards. I don't know why. Maybe to meet Cal. I just don't know why. And the, at, at the, at, you know, where you line up on the first base and third base line before the game in big games? We don't usually do that in a regular game. They did that, and the queen walked up and down. She's very short, very the tiny woman, 5'1", 5'2". In a hat, 5'5". Uh, I never understood it. Why she would, I mean, if you're going to go to a game, when you go to a Yankee game, She went to an Orioles game. It's very odd, but I saw her. I was, I saw her live. I was in her presence though. Did not meet her, did not greet her or anything like that. And I could never get out of my head and it's over 50 years, it's 50, probably 55 years. Paul and John singing, her majesty's a pretty nice girl but she doesn't have a lot to say. (laughs) That's all I can think of. (laughs) Her majesty's a pretty nice girl but she doesn't have a lot to say. Um, it's an unbelievable run because her son, Charles, pretty much my age. Now he becomes the King. And now I assume, and by the way, his father lived to 99, his mother lived to 95, 96. So he's got, he's got time left. I assume that the public discourse, Michael, will be about, should he stay until he dies? And then it passes to William or because William seems to be really good at this and really popular, should he do it for a very short amount of time and retire as king and let William be king?
1: Yeah, I think that's what some of the, um, some of the population was asking of Her Majesty as to when would it be appropriate to step down if there was a time, particularly once uh, Prince William had his first, his first male child. She did not step down. No. She took it to the limit, as the Eagles would
0: say. <laughs> she did not step down, so maybe Charles will not step down. Now, Camilla will not be queen, right? Camilla will be, is she prince consort or something like that? There's some special title. It's not like, it's not like in the loser category. Do you know what I mean? Queen It's consort. better than that. It's queen consort. Yep. It's better than that. It's, it's not a slap in the face at all. In fact, it's an honorarium, and it, it's pretty nice but she will not actually be the queen will Kate when it goes to William. since Sean seems to know about this stuff, will Kate be queen? Um, I think so that I don't know. Like everybody likes William and Kate, right? Harry, they are not crazy about, but Harry's like sixth in succession. Harry's got no shot. He's got no shot because William already has children. He's got male children. He's got a full brood. Yeah. He's got three. Like you've got three. Yeah. Right. Well, he is a girl. OK, he's got a he's got one girl. but here's, here's who's never. Randy Andy, never going to be king. <laughs> no Never. No, no chance he's going to be king. But Harry went, back, Harry went back to see the family, so maybe rapprochement with the family. So it's, it's the only monarchy that matters. It's the only monarchy people can name. It's the n- most nostalgic of all monarchies, and they don't get in the way. They don't try to govern. They just go out there and say hello to people.
1: But then you look at uh, when you see the numbers as to how many prime ministers that Queen Elizabeth sort like of welcomed f- to form the government. And you look at her role as a bridge from sort of fairy tale land into the modern She's world. She's the constant. Yes.
0: She's, she helped facilitate that by not kicking and screaming. Right? By not saying, what happened to me? She took the role that they gave her, and she, she did the best she could with it. Everybody liked her, right?
1: Yeah, and just understanding yes. duty as you go around and read all these um, you know, obituaries as to the early, uh, the early sort of role she was pushed into because she thought her father was going to live much longer than he did. He died in his 50s. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah
2: and it was, it was 1952. I had that wrong. It was 1952 when she... Oh, okay, she, then she's not been yes. queen
0: longer than I'm alive. So she's not. only been queen for 70 years? Didn't 70s. they have a diamond jubilee a couple of years? Um, are you sure?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was well, it's uh, your 70s. country. It was this past 30s. summer. Yes,
0: yes. When did he die? He was King George. He was the king's speech, right? That's mm-hmm. that guy. Right. When did he die? Because he That's, died. And, he was not in England when he died, and she was not in England when he died. Was she was in Kenya. Yeah. Well, the way it works is, I mean, the, when one monarch dies, I mean,
2: there's not, not sort of like a period where they say, oh, we're going to sort this out. I mean, the No, second, no, no. It was that yeah. day. Yeah, so it was February of 1952, um, and she's tied, I believe, with Louis the
0: 14th as the longest. And Louis reigning- the 14th said, "Let me think for a minute, son." <laughs> Is that right? Because so she yeah. already had two of her children. She was not the queen having the children; she was a princess having the children. Correct. Because Charles and Anne are older; were born before 1952, I believe. Maybe not. Charles was. Charles was born in 1948 or 49. Am I correct on that? What's Charles's birthday? Anyway, he's king now. Is and, yes. and I read this story in the post that he doesn't necessarily have to be King Charles if he doesn't want oh, to. He be.
1: could choose a new name.
0: He, well, he's got a couple of middle names, and he I could choose he... one. Is Arthur, for example. He oh, you gotta Arthur. go King no, Arthur. King no, Arthur. I don't think you ever go King no, Arthur because everybody no. knows King Arthur.
1: Oh, you, you just sit on that. the throne for a little bit. I don't think you do King Arthur. Bring back the round table.
0: 1952. Okay, so I had that wrong. She'd been queen forever. Yeah. Forever. She's the longest running show on Broadway. She's Miss Miserable. <laughs> you know, she's... she's Oh, forever and ever and ever. And everybody liked her. Yeah. You know, everybody liked her.
1: Well, you look at the... Uh, I mean, the fact that they do public opinion polls on this, uh, but you look at what happened to her after the crash with Diane in the late nineties. And it took, I mean, it took years to get the, you know, for the people to trust her again. And then that was rough. Yeah. That was the great movie. The queen. That's Helen Mirren. That, that
0: movie is so good that if you're someone like me and you're not British, you think that's true. You think everything in that is true. (laughs) Like it felt like history. That movie is so good. May not be true. You feel the same way about the King's speech. Well, is that is Such that what's happening movie. now
1: with the Crown? I don't watch the Crown. No, I know, but I'm just in terms of how it's zoomed in. I at think different, people seem to small I, time periods. I think
0: people think the Crown is true. It might be true. I, you know, I don't know. You know, it's not true. By the way, it's, Michael Clayton. It's great, but it's not true. <laughs> it's not true.
2: What? By the way, Ch- Charles has decided he's going to be King Charles III, So he's already he's already okay. picked that name. And he was born uh, in November of 1948. So yeah, she's uh, basically uh, yeah. my age. Yeah,
0: you know, and, you and can be he's, king. I can't be king. He can be king. <laughs> I, you know, he's in the in the early days for people who were in their 60s and 70s who remember Mad Magazine. Everyone thought that Alfred E. Newman, <laughs> <clears throat> that the picture right. of Alfred E. Newman was based on Charles, sure. Prince Charles, that that's what he looked like. I find him interesting. He cares about plants. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he's not obtrusive. Everybody's down on him because of the Diana thing. He didn't want to marry her. He never wanted to marry her. They picked her out for him. She didn't want to marry him. She did a great job. She did. She did a great job as princess, but it was not to be. Not to be. Uh, Tennis. Nigel, you're up at the tennis. You stayed up all night the other night, and you watched uh, Alcaraz win. I got to tell you, I watched last night. I watched Jabour and Garcia Oh, it was a terrible match. Dreadful beyond words. It was like being sentenced to prison to have to watch that. It yeah. was really bad. The yeah. uh, Tiafo can save the tournament. If Tiafo loses, the, the ratings are going to be terrible from now on because they are against football. Just yeah. terrible. And they and, don't have and, Serena or Nadal. No, have, and the other men's semifinal is not something that, you know, people You don't, are, don't know
2: who they are. Right. Karen Hatchinoff and Kasper Rude, even though they're great players, is just, you know. They're not If they were them.
0: great players, you'd know who they were.
2: Yeah. But, you know who Nadal
0: uh, is. He's a great yes. player. But
2: the kid Alcaraz. He's good. I mean, he, he's worth the price of admission. He is as good as it gets. Uh, and that match. Wilbon says
0: he's played two five-setters in a row. He has no chance against Tiafa. I wouldn't say that. I mean, he's 19. I think he's got an endless
2: you know, pool of energy to draw from.
0: And he's, This is what I said on PTI yesterday in response to Wilbon: I say he's 19 years old. A 19-year-old in New York City is routinely up to 3 in the morning, and it has no effect. He has a full day to rest. He's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. He's going to be fine. I think if, if Tiafo's going to win. Tiafo proved it, it, it already. Tiafo yeah. by getting to the semis, yeah. it's all I, he had he, to do.
2: And he could win. I mean, he needs to serve big, and he needs to get in points quickly because the longer Alcaraz is in a point, he just gets to everything, and he wears you down. By the way, and he, he Al- hits
0: it 300 miles an hour, Alcaraz. Yes, he does. <laughs> he I mean, yeah. Chafo hits it hard. Alcaraz hits it harder. Yeah. Hits it harder. Yeah. I didn't watch the Sviante match, and I think I joined 300 other million Americans by not watching. <laughs> was it? An- I mean, I didn't yeah, it care. Was, it I was quite care. good. She, uh, she the got first blown The first match it. was so bad yeah. that I went right to the football.
2: And it was odd because the, the woman who lost, uh, Garcia, she had played brilliantly all summer long and then just completely forgot how to play last night. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the, sec- the second match was good. It's funny. Uh, Shvatek, um she, she lost the first set and then took a bathroom break and it was not a sit to pass, like on um, gamesmanship because uh, in the, the post-match interview, one of the interviews said, uh, so what did you tell yourself in that break in the bathroom that we, you, know, you regrouped? She's like, no, I actually really had to go to the bathroom. That's what was going on there. And then she sort of sorted it out and, and came back and won. It was, it was actually a, a lovely match.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not selling you,
2: am I? No. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to
0: sell me on that. Um, no. Sviattek Jabor, I mean they're the they're the two best, right? Uh, yeah, aren't they one and two. They're no, and two. one and one and five. Jabour oh. is five. Yeah, but, oh, but Jibor, I, I figured because she made the finals at Wimbledon, she'd be two. Yeah, no. Well, they didn't get any points for that. Remember? So, um, oh, well, they yeah, should have so, gotten points. They actually
2: played. Yeah, they should have. So, but yeah, but I wish I, I wish folks had been up to be able to
0: stay up and watch the. Um, the Alcaraz Cinematic. Wilbon <laughs> watched it. Wilbon said it was one of the five greatest sporting <laughs> events he'd ever watched on television. It, it he was, loved it, it.
2: It was amazing. I mean, every time he thought, "Oh," and I was actually going to talk to you about this because I've heard you and like Barry and other great writers we've had on the show. When you're writing a piece at a game and you're like, "Oh, I've written the end," and then the end changes, you like have to keep redrafting. You your let me column. tell you
0: something in in the modern day newspaper, which is delivered online. It doesn't matter when something ends. You write and you get it online as soon as you can. But if, if that ends at 10 minutes to 3 in the morning, which it did, no newspaper can get it. It's right. over. The runs are over. There's no late newspaper of the big newspapers that can accommodate it. So it's just not in the paper. It's not in the paper. That's, that's too late. 3 o'clock in the morning is too yeah. late. Yeah, I'm but glad yeah, every, you stayed up and watched it. Yeah, it was it was
2: as great a match I think as I've ever seen, and you know I'm talking about like the old going back to Borg and McEnroe, yeah, or even the Nadal and um, in Federer matches in Wimbledon. You know, back to back years where they're just insane matches. This was, and you you're watching these two kids, and you're like. You know, because is great, too. I mean, he's, he's right up there with, with Alcaraz. And, you're like, these guys are really going to be – you're going to see them in finals for years to come. I mean, that's sort of what
0: you you look at and you see. It's too bad because it would have been better if they had played in uh, yeah. Syracuse on La Chisurina <laughs> <clears throat> in the outfield. Yes. <laughs> Again, I would have set the over-under at six, and there were apparently 75. 75. Yeah. 75 people. So you get blown away by that. We'll take a break. Uh, who's first? Jason Lock and J- four is first? Jason, yes. Jason Lock and four. He can talk about last night's game. Uh, surprising score to me. I'm not terribly surprised that Buffalo won. It's a great way for Chuck Todd to open up, go 0-1. Surprised one. by the first half? Well, the first half was even. Yeah. Um, Josh Allen's good. He's really good. He completed his first 10 or 11 passes, and one was stolen out of the hands of a receiver. He ran. He's... He's good. He may be what they say. He may be. We'll take a break. Jason Locken for when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
1: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.
0: This is Chris Roselle. He writes, Hello, I've been a fan of The Tony Show for a long time on PTI. My dad listens to the podcast religiously. I'm a banjo player out of Denver. I've recently recorded an album of my own banjo compositions with a wide range of style. My dad suggested that I send this along to you as he really enjoys the music you all choose for your show. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for your time and consideration. I love banjo music. I'm that guy. I really... When Steve Martin used to play the banjo yes, hundred years ago on Saturday Night Live, I thought this is such great talent. So I love this. This is called Sisyphus Roll. What an interesting <laughs> title. Sisyphus Roll by Chris Rosell. Thank you, Chris. <clears throat> Plays in Jason Lock and Fora. Let's start with live action. We haven't had live action in many, Ooh. many months. America, so other than Michael Wilbon. <laughs> who went actually went to the WNBA game last night rather than why? And good for him, but his team yeah. lost and got eliminated. Chicago lost. Other than Michael Wilbon, everybody else in America tuned in to this particular football game, which featured the Super Bowl winner from last year and the Super Bowl sort of favorite already this year, Buffalo at the Rams. Buffalo very convincing in the yeah. second half. What is your takeaway from the result of that game?
4: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few, and one is obviously the Buffalo Bills. There's, when, when there's a team that's sort of like everyone's darling, right? Like you, it, you have a hard time seeing people who, who cover this league, who pay attention to this league, you know, you say a bad thing about them. You, it's, it's sort of the preseason prediction time of the year and who's going to win what and who are the best teams. And the Bills are, you know, almost unanimous. There's a part of you that starts to say, well, wait a minute, maybe there's – you know what are we missing here? This league isn't that easy to figure out. Is there an underlying um, issue or issues that are being sort of ignored or overlooked or whatever? So I think there's a natural tendency to start to take a step back and say, wait a minute, man, this line has moved a lot. You know, in the in the period of three weeks from the Bills getting points to yeah. the Bills giving the Super Bowl two and a half winner at home almost a field goal. So. Yeah. And then you know there's no Brian Dable there anymore, so you're kind of like, all right, well they're not infallible. Let's 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 see it for real. And it looked kind of infallible. Um, they had their issues, obviously a couple of turnovers that they would want back. But even if, if you're watching the game, even when those miscues occur, it, it was clear who the better football team was. It was weird. Yes from the opening drive, and, and uh, you're kind of sitting there saying, how are the Rams in this thing when they're not really executing and their offensive line is getting run over, and you're not noticing Aaron Donald as much as you normally would, and and yet, you know, it's 10-10 at the half, and then you're still saying, well, anything is possible, and the Rams are a good football team, and they obviously are the champs. So, you know, let's let's see. And then the second half is even more of a beat down with the first half and now the, the, the Rams aren't able to stay in it courtesy of turnovers. They're they're just they're just hemorrhaging points. Um and the Bills are seemingly doing whatever they want when they have the ball and when they don't. So um I didn't know that the if the Bills pass rush would come together that quickly. You know, is Von Miller gonna need an adjustment period? you know, Boogie Bassum and, and Rousseau, are those guys going to be ready to go from week one, or is there going to be a little bit of an adjustment period? And they weren't blitzing. They weren't doing anything super exotic. They were doing, you know, what Leslie Frazier ideally wants to do is is get pressure with four and sit back and play zone and be able to, to, to fill up a lot of the, the downfield areas with um, defensive backs and linebackers. And it really worked. Um, and Matt Stafford was under duress all night. And, yes. and so yes. my takeaways are, yeah, the Bills are, are really good, and and the things that we thought would take them to another level seem to be there certainly are there right now. And then also, you know, Andrew Whitworth was a big part of that whole Rams turnaround and, and as a leader and, and as a, a, a very capable left tackle. So you have to have some concerns about, the Rams' offensive line, and maybe that wasn't a great matchup for them, but that didn't look very good. And Matt Stafford had this elbow thing going on all summer. And if if Matt Stafford's going to get sacked five, six times a game, uh, they're 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 going to they're going to have they're going to be in trouble. Um, so you know, it's one game. We don't want to go crazy and, and make too many you know overarching remarks from it, but. The bills certainly looked apart, and I have to think the Rams are a little bit concerned about their ability to mitigate a pass rush when again they weren't bringing numbers they they were they were just beating people.
0: I would not take issue with any single thing that you've said, but I will point out that yesterday on the PTI program, the question about this game was, which team do you have more confidence in the Rams or the bills? And what I said was, I don't think the Rams are going to repeat. Nobody repeats. Uh, two teams in the last 25 years, Denver in 98 and the Patriots in 04, have repeated. So I, 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 I'm not picking them again. Yeah. But I said the path to the Super Bowl is significantly easier, in my mind, in the NFC than the AFC. Oh, yeah. you got to worry about Tampa Bay, Green Bay, and maybe San Francisco. In the other place, Buffalo has to worry about Kansas City. Tennessee, the Raiders, yeah. the Chargers, the Colts, the Broncos, the Ravens, the Bengals. And yeah. Wilbon said, well, half of those teams will drop off the face of the map. Well, I don't know that that's true. I think the AFC is far. What I said to Wilbon was when you get in the blocks in the AFC, you look to your left and your right, there's speed. There's speed in that division, yes. right?
4: Oh, <laughs> I, think, I think there's no doubt about it. Um, I think the balance of power, the pendulum has swung heavily in the favor of that conference, and I, I think there will be teams that you know miss out on the playoffs in the AFC that are like the eight and the nine seed in the AFC. And they're good that that we would say. You know what? That that they might be win. the four seed in the other that's conference. Right. Like that's, that's just right. that's just the reality. If we're going to be honest about the degree of, of you know the level of talent and blue chip players and coaching acumen and all that. Um, so no, I'm I I'm entirely with you. Now look, the league is. It changes from year to year, and last year doesn't guarantee you a whole lot. And, and the parity thing is real, and, you know, every year there's, you know, five or six teams that made it that don't, and there's all these, these new teams there. And so there will be teams that fall off, and there will be teams that we sort of anointed or quasi-anointed in August, uh, who, who by November nobody's even paying attention That's to. Right. And, That's And right. part of that will be because we missed. And part of it will also be the nature of football, where injuries and attrition um, it, it, it plays such a huge role. And and there's some luck and some schedule luck. So you know, some of it's on us, and some of it is just the way it plays out. But no, I I I think the AFC is much, um, much it, it's it's much m- I, I believe much much more difficult.
0: I agree with that. Um, the one of the most interesting things this weekend is uh, the fact that Baker Mayfield gets to play against Cleveland and Russell Wilson gets to play against Seattle. Steve Young was on the show. And I asked Steve Young, because it was my turn to ask a question, um, (laughs) when you have a personal grudge, do you play better? And he just laughed. He said, you can't be involved in that. That's crazy talk. You just have to get better. And people with personal grudges usually have grudges because they weren't good enough where they were. So they just have to get better. What are your thoughts about Mayfield and Wilson and opening up against their former teams?
4: Well, it it is. Look, the fact that their very first game in these new places is against the former team. You can't pretend you've got – and the schedule comes out in, like, whatever, April, and you've got all this time to think about it and marinate on it, and you've got your boys saying, oh, man, you know, we're going to get you, uh, you know, looking yeah. around and, oh, you know, oh, no, man, you're going to see what you're missing. Like, eh, you're human beings. Like, there's that element certainly exists. Now, I, I think in this particular instance, you've got two quarterbacks with very different mindsets, though. You know, you've got Russell Wilson, whose whole sort of – Existence on the on the mental side of things is keeping everything neutral, and that's what he strongly believes in, and that's why he believes he's been able to make the sort of comebacks in games that he's made, and not not get too carried away. When when, I mean, think about how many times you'd watch the Seattle Seahawks game in the first half, and you're like, "How does anybody think these guys are any good? Like, what the hell is this operation?" Yeah, they stink in the first
0: half. They can't even get a first down.
4: And then at the end of the game they would fell thirty seven twenty four I guess they're pretty good, so I don't think I think Russell's wired a certain way where while he will find this interesting and unique and there'll be a part of him that absolutely absolutely I don't care what Steve Young says or anybody says he wants to show Pete Carroll and John Schneider like you guys really thought it was better to go out there with with. With Tino Stone, then pay me again, right? Uh, you think I'm a little bit yeah. washed? I right. Baker Mayfield, the grievance side of things, it like that's his brand. That's that's his fuel. Like he and Russell has some of that too. Oh, yeah, I only got picked in the third round, and oh, I couldn't, you know, I I, I I had to go to Wisconsin and all that. But like Baker, it's his whole id. Like it, it's his fuel. Like I don't think Baker can sort of hide that. You know what I mean? I don't think Baker can go through warm-ups and the whole pregame routine and the first drive and whenever something good happens and, and kind of stay mellow. Nor do I think he necessarily has to be, because he was the first overall pick and a lot of this stuff did work for him at varying times in his career to, to varying degrees. But you certainly can't let it take take over. You certainly can't. If you have a bad start, you know, really let it fester and, and, and start throwing tirades and, and kicking stuff on the sidelines and there's still 55 minutes left in the game and people are like, bro, the season just started. What's wrong with you? Um, but this is a little bit crazy to me. You know, the fact that it worked out to where it's literally their first game in their new place yeah. ever, yeah. and it's against the guys who didn't want them.
0: I I I completely agree. I would point this out about Mayfield. I know that if you watch a lot of television uh, Almost everybody thinks Mayfield stinks Baker Mayfield walked on In two different colleges ended up as the starting quarterback in two different colleges won the Heisman after walking on at Oklahoma If you think that you can just dismiss somebody who's done that you're crazy. You're crazy, right? Jason? He
4: I won't agree. I, I I agree. Um, now, you know what kind of operation is Carolina, and you know what has the offense. That's garbage. I mean, this is also yeah. a team that fired yeah. their offensive of coordinator, like you know, at the end of a bye week last last year. So, is this the right village for him? I, you know, that still remains no. to be seen. But there's some interesting pieces there, and they're catching the Browns at a very. Um, unique time in that they are entering yeah. a, a period of at least eleven games where the guy they anointed their franchise savior has been banished from the league. Yeah.
0: No, you're right. All right, plug your radio show for us.
4: Uh, you guys can listen to more of this uh, banter and yak two to six weekdays. It's good. Every weekday on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore, or you could stream us on the Odyssey app. Or uh, listen over the web, I guess if you're listening. Yeah, www1057 the fan. Enjoy week one. Thank you, Tone. All right,
0: talk to you next week. Jason Locken for good, boys buddy. and Thank girls. You. We will come back. Jeff Ma will join us when we come back. I will still be coughing at that point. Say <laughs> la vie. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
1: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network
0: This is Brandon Costello. Singer, songwriter, Lexington, a Kentucky.
5: Dan Byrne produced a smile.
0: This is a Dan Byrne tribute.
5: And his teen you imagine that. A Dan Byrne
0: Penn. tribute band. How great would that be? <laughs> <clears throat> Brandon writes us, most of my songs are about sex Less or depression or both. That's funny. This song is about what happens after four I'm littles are picked up hand. for robbing a bank. Gym that was Dan Byrne's thing the other day robbing banks very very good uh michael if people like brandon costello who is our friend
1: want to send in their music how do they do it send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow and we uh plays in jeff ma and jeff is as i said
0: chuck todd already starts zero one he picked the rams he lost with the rams he lost big jeff's going to pick a bunch of games for us jeff stuff is available on bet the process the podcast bet the process but overall, it seemed to me, I mean, Chuck and I talked about this, that week one would be the hardest week. Well, what do you got? You just have stuff from last year. You can't look at exhibition games and think they're meaningful because they're not meaningful. When you do this for a living, isn't week one the hardest week, Jeff?
3: I don't know if it's the hardest. It's, it Definitely you have to have a slightly different approach, right? You have to have almost like a probabilistic approach because – there's more unknown and what you use going into the week are priors, meaning what the team was last year. You have to come up with some, um, you know, approximation or some way to measure personnel changes, coaches changes and things like that. But again, all of it creates like a probabilistic model where, you know, even a game like last night, um, you know, the, the conventional wisdom going into last night was all right. Um, You know the the Bills seem like the odds-on best team in the NFL, but still pretty uncertain when it comes into that, and the line reflected that the market thought the Bills were the best team in the NFL, and yet it was hard to look at that game. I mean, even you know defending Chuck Todd, you know even looking at that game, you would say the defending Super Bowl champions be giving two and a half points at At home. home at home to anyone right Right. and and so right right it's 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 understandable And, and yeah i think week one does offer you know week two i think is is weird because people tend to overreact to week one i think by the time you get to like the third or fourth week you get a little bit more data but again like all of this information tony is incorporated by a market so the fact that they don't you know, we don't have that much information means the market doesn't have that much information. And so it's all sort of, I wouldn't say any of it's easier or harder. It's just all different in terms of how you look for opportunities or advantages.
0: So, yeah, let me get to that. And let's say uh, someone does this. This is what they do. They bet sports. They bet football. They think they know football. Do people like that, who in my youth were called Sharpies, people like that, do they see week one? do you see week one as a betting opportunity or would that be a week where you would hold back? You might still bet, but you wouldn't bet at at the numbers that you normally bet.
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a ton of, I think the sharps don't have quite as much volume in week one. And I think probably the reason is if they did, they probably put the stuff down earlier when the limits were a little bit lower. I think you talked about this with Chuck yesterday these lines have been out for quite some time, yes. which means yeah. that the market has been able to bet them into, you know, a, a number that is less efficient and is more, I'm sorry, is more efficient and is, is reflective of a large group of people believing something. So I do think, you know, again, like the day of, or uh, Sunday betting in the NFL markets is one of the hardest things in gambling to do because the markets are so efficient. You can get, You know, hundreds and thousands of millions of dollars down on these games. And the the reason you can do that is because the market is so efficient. If sportsbooks are taking really large bets, it's because they're not afraid of losing money, to you?
0: That makes sense to me. It does. And I also think, by the way, that, that the will bonds of the world who automatically assume that everything that comes out of Las Vegas or wherever it comes out of is wrong, that people like that are just not paying attention. That's not real smart betting. The assumption that if you make—because he believes the Brooklyn Nets should never have been the favorites. Okay, but that doesn't mean the Buffalo Bills should not be the favorites. And the Buffalo Bills last night, particularly in the second half, the Buffalo Bills, again, going into L.A. against Super Bowl defending champion and beating them badly, that was pretty damned impressive, right? You're not going to—the Buffalo's going to—the number to get to bet on Buffalo is going to be very high in Week 2, don't you think?
3: not only did they beat them by three touchdowns, but they turned the ball over, what, four times? And yeah. To yeah. overcome something like that and still win by that many points is, is incredibly impressive.
0: Yeah. What do you got for us? Give us, give us some games you got.
3: Yeah, I'm going to take the Patriots plus three and a half against Miami. It's, it's a little bit of a weird game. I mean, uh, it's gone from two and a half to three and a half over the last uh, couple weeks. And, you know, the general perception is that, oh, the Patriots, you know, don't know what they're doing. They don't have their offense set up. They have, you know, Matt Patricia, who's never called plays before, calling plays, and um, you know, it, it's it's sort of hard for me to believe that Bill Belichick doesn't have a plan, right? So that's I, a, that's I totally a narrative agree with you. That just doesn't really make sense. Uh, he's just not telling anyone what his plan is because there's no there's nothing in his interest to do that. I think the concern obviously is that Miami is a very fast team. I think we're going to see that this year. They've built their team around speed and the Patriots are, are a little bit of an older defense without a ton of speed, but I, I just have to take Belichick versus a first year head coach in his first game, which tends to not be a great spot for, for teams. Um, so I'm taking the pass off three and a half. Okay. What else? I'm going to take the Browns plus. Really? I don't know what are you guys have in that one and a half. Yeah. It's, it's a, This is a line, obviously, where Carolina has been favored and everyone thinks this is the Baker Mayfield revenge game. And you got Baker versus Jacoby Brissett and all that. But the overall talent on both sides of the ball, with the exception of the quarterback, is so big in the favor of the Browns that I actually like them to win this game outright.
0: Okay. Okay. What else?
3: I I thought the Steelers uh, plus six against Cincinnati... Um, Who do you think gives you better quarterback play? The corpse that was Ben Roethlisberger or Mitch Trubisky?
0: (laughs) If you ask, Will Wilbon is, of course, rooting for Trubisky. Um, Ben Roethlisberger was done. He was, you know, he was the walking dead last year. He was absolutely done. He could not throw the ball 20 yards down the field. So I think Trubisky actually gives you a lot more variables than Roethlisberger gives you. I don't, I don't know about Cincinnati. They, Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl. Cincinnati went to the Super Bowl, a pretty good team.
3: Yeah, it's getting priced in here, though. I mean, this is in, in Pittsburgh, yes. getting six points. You know, again, I, I just think that you're going to see much better quarterback play, even with Trubisky, over what Roethlisberger was. Roethlisberger I agree. was terrible last year. agree. So I just think it's too many points.
0: What else? I mean,
3: I'm going to take the Bears. Really? Six and a half against San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, it, so I think San Francisco is going to be very good this year, and they're actually my pick to win the NFC um, and, and sort of like outside shot at winning the Super Bowl. After last night, it's hard to like think about anyone but the Bills winning right. the Super Bowl. But still, you still have Trey Lance in his first game ever, really. like I think he started a game last year, but this is like his first time really holding the, the baton. And, and I think, you know, in a situation like this, with the Bears getting six and a half points on the road, I mean at home, um, I just like taking the points here in this situation.
0: Wow, I would, yeah, I mean, I would have gone the other way on that one, but okay, okay, what else?
3: And then I'll take the Raiders plus the three and a half against the Chargers. Um, you know, the Chargers are the buzzy team this year. Justin Herbert, MVP yes. candidate, yes, on and on, big skill positions, but the Raiders. You know we're a, a good team last year. They they sort of powered through everything, beat the Chargers at the end of the year. Um, have a much better coach now. Um, I think McDaniel will be a great coach this time around, um, and and I like uh, you know the fact that the Raiders are getting the the three and a half points against the in, in a in a situation where the the home field is not huge um, and probably actually. It's um, the Raiders' maybe, home field.
0: Um, it's the Raiders' home field. There's no question about that. They, yeah, they will have more yeah. fans there than the Chargers, don't you think? I do.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of studies of really what drives home field, like travel and familiarity, sleeping in your own bed, all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's not just crowd noise, but certainly crowd noise plays a role. And, and yeah, I do think the Raiders will have more fans there.
0: So th- this is inter- th- this is a game that I think by week ten we could look back on and say both these teams are really good, really good. The Raiders and the Chargers, don't you think?
3: Yeah, I think so for sure. And I, you know, I, I've kind of been reading more and hearing more about the Raiders, and, and I'm pretty excited for their for their chances this year. Um, Chargers the same. So yeah, I mean the NFC the AFC West is 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 loaded. I-
0: I'm looking at these games, and for week one games, a lot of these are really, really good. Tampa Bay at Dallas. I mean, maybe the game will stink, but you say to yourself, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to watch that game. Buffalo at the Rams, I'm going to sit down and watch that game. Green Bay at Minnesota, at Minnesota, like it, the, the first week is loaded. I assume that's intentional, but it's, it's, it's a delight to look at these games, don't you think? It really is.
3: Yeah, no, it should it should be an interesting game. There's a lot of um, like home underdogs this year, this week, yes. which is kind of strange to see. Um, and so, uh, so we'll see. I mean, the, the games that you mentioned are both interesting. To, it'll it'll be interesting to see Rodgers how he plays. Uh, the, there's a lot of people that believe that the Vikings are going to be a much better, addition by subtraction, with those Zimmer there, who by all accounts was was not a very good coach. Um, and was not, you know, bringing them into this century with with uh, an approach that was
0: yeah. He's a modern though. at all. Yeah, no, I and agree.
3: This, the same thing is true with with Tampa, right? They're they're saying that Arians was kind of bulls is going to be a big step up, but then you have the situation where you know Brady is I don't even know how old he is and decided to miss you know ten fifteen days of of camp, and it's not a great situation at Tampa. And you have a, a Cowboys team that was pretty overrated last year based on a lot of, you know, luck and, and, you know, close game luck and turnover luck and those types of things. And they got a a coach McCarthy that if it weren't for Jerry Jones being so completely loyal, you know, would probably be getting fired pretty soon.
0: I I agree with that. At some point, Tom Brady's going to fall off the table. He's 45 years old. This is, he's never been done. No one will ever dispute that he's the greatest of all time. No one will. It's, you can't dispute that. His record proves that. But at some point, you'd fall off the table. We'll see. Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk to you next week. Jeff can be heard on Bet the Process. Rufus and Jeff on Bet the Process. Jeff Mob, boys and girls, we will take a break. And we will have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This
5: is The Tony Kornheiser Show he's got your emails and your
0: notes this is sean kids
5: he'll read them for all you folks cause it's the mailbag yeah it's the mailbag if you drive a car no subaru if you try to fax no, that won't do If you went to camp He, he might bag. pick you If you send free stuff You'll get
0: right through Mailbag Thank you, Sean. That's wonderful. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad, please? Yes, Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You
2: will as well. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area
0: nearest you, then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let's just do this. She said there is no reason and the truth is plain to see, but I wandered through my playing cards, would not let her be, one of 16 Vestal Virgins who are leaving for the coast. And though my eyes were open, they might just as well have been closed. That's Procol Harum, a whiter shade of pale, based on the work of Geoffrey Chaucer. I was not a Chaucer fan. I was a Shakespeare fan, not a Chaucer fan, but I am a Crocol Haram fan. Thanks to our guests, Jason Lock and Jeff Ma. Thanks to our sponsor today, Electric E-Bike. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It's
1: finally here. Week one. Mornings are a little bit cooler. So go yep. check out johnnyo.com. TK week one, uh, the, the new Finney hoodie uh, looks great. Do you have one of those? I don't have it yet. Do the but kids also, have them? No, the kids are. We're, we're doing back to school shopping with the kids. Uh, the Pamlico is also great for the whole family. Okay.
0: Um, okay. From Dan Byrne A whole section of littles, many of whom I got to chat with, all charming and brilliant naturally. A first pitch, a little low and outside, but delivered from the rubber. An anthem warbled with love and hope. Half an inning of play by play on TV. Beeson on the Jumbotron. Here comes Tony's mailbag over the speakers. Himalayan sea salted hot dogs. Chatter shirts everywhere. Chuck and Roxy winning the gummy bear eating contest on the field. Jason Smoral hosting and presiding over the ceremonies. Jake Hafner basking in the glory of his lecheesery night idea. TK show salutes. The Mets getting pounded and no one minded. Suffice to say it was a night for the ages, and everyone on the TK show was involved often and with great fondness from Dan Byrne. It's just That's poetry. I, it's such an honor. Honestly, it's such an honor that they did this, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Uh, From Bill Burns, no relation to Dan Byrne. Leaving from White Lake in the scenic foothills of the Adirondack Park, I have my rope and yardstick ready to go, hoping it doesn't get confiscated at the gate. We will pre-feast at the iconic dinosaur barbecue restaurant, to which I've never been. I'll tell them you sent me. Pressure's on to remember some of the lyrics to Dan's fantastic songs. I'll sing regardless. Laura Little, for many years, both radio and TV, La Cheeserie from Ryan Weir. This email is being written as we head back to Buffalo, New York. Tom and I are friends for many years and immediately knew we were both coming to this game after you read the email. I can't convey how much fun it was to sit in section 116 and converse with the other Littles. We met people from all around Syracuse, upstate New York, and as far as South Carolina. The general manager and staff of the Syracuse Mets were an absolute delight. From the podcast theme being played as people walked in, to the trivia game in your honor – he couldn't name all the rascals – to the many TK salutes and the countless chants of Lachiserie. Tom and myself were even able to be interviewed by Roxy and Chuck of Loyal Littles Podcast during the game. We met Dan Byrne. It was an incredible night for all of us that attended. Jeff Ma would have lost a lot of money betting the under, but I got a great line from T-Boy Lachille, Lachiserie to everyone who attended and to all the people who love this podcast. This is signed by Ryan Weir and Tom Sulsky. They send pictures. A whole bunch of pictures came in. Buffalo to Syracuse is a hike, kids. This is, again, it's nothing but an honor. From Carl in Oswego, New York. We missed you at the syracuse metzla cheesery night but i did have a good time hanging out with dozens of your loyal fans most of them are nice i got to hear rope and a yardstick live you are right dan burn is brilliant thanks to jason and jake for hatching this ridiculous idea i hope we can make it an annual event i found out yesterday something i didn't know there is a podcast about this podcast that must be roxy and chuck michael a podcast about this podcast one would think that this podcast would be enough no that you it, it's not that hard to explain there's no hidden meanings it's just amazing from dave thompson in old forge new york i wanted to send a message about how great lechiserie night was but i won't be as clever as the other 54 people that message you about it thanks for everything from josh Hirth in cape coral florida the other day I had the brilliant idea of checking on the status of the cheesery.com, and lo and behold, it's available. On GoDaddy.com, one could purchase the domain name for $20 to own it for two years. I quickly informed the woman to whom I'm related by marriage, a fellow Little. While she didn't tell me I couldn't buy it, she did question what I would do with it. Alas, I agree it should be purchased and used by someone who will actually build a website in honor of the show, which has brought us such joy since the Internet Radio Day. So if any Little is up to the task... Go get the site and report back when it's live. There were 75 people
1: there, Michael. Yeah. 75 people. And that's just with a few weeks of notice. You know,
0: wow. Wow. Uh, Other things. From Ryan Corlin, Charleston, West Virginia. 19 addresses, 16 aunts and uncles, 12 plants in my home office, 8 jobs, 6 surgeries, 5 states, 3 cars, 2 time zones, and a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) From John Marshall in Durham, North Carolina. Did Sally Jenkins start a new game about rivalries? If so, as a native of Chapel Hill and current resident of Durham, i have to say Duke-UNC is the best rivalry. My parents were in in attendance of the infamous Duke-UNC game in the 70s, (coughs) excuse me, when UNC rallied to tie Duke in regulation, being down eight points with 17 seconds remaining. During those 17 seconds, my mom, a UNC alum, and my dad, a Duke alum in grad school at UNC, left their seats so my dad could talk trash to their friends. As UNC mounted their comeback, they stopped and watched the end of regulation from the steps and then made their way back to their seats for OT. UNC emerged victorious, and according to my mom, my dad got really quiet. As a double UNC graduate, this is my favorite story. And again, we have Liz and Chan. Yeah. They can't watch the basketball
1: games. Nope. Can't the game. Nope. UNC was a childhood team until she went to Duke.
0: <laughs> One more from Joey Vosters. Here's a fun change up to the address game that caused me grief as a young kid. My address changed four times, but my family never moved. First, they changed the country highway that we lived on from Route 5 to Highway N. A year later, they renumbered all the houses, and we went from 395 to a system with a letter and four numbers. A year after that, a new zip code was created, and I got my fourth address in as many years. Needless to say, this was confusing for a kid in preschool. And at one point, when my first grade teacher asked me to write my address, I just shrugged. (laughs) If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Later,
1: he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it. And boom goes the dynamite.
5: Wagon. Dan Byrne produced a smile in his teeth was a bobby pin In less than a minute we were rolled into the street And Nigel called out, "Getaway man It was a chimpanzee in a suit and a Subaru With a pipe and a pick-a-butt grand Total eclipse of the heart of me Parked on a neighborhood street in the lining of his Indochino suit Nigel had stole all the money Dan Burn never wanted to be silent, said straight cash, homie when an old man out walking his dog rapped on a window and said, "What are you doing out here? This is a neighborhood street. Do you know who I am?" But he was distracted by a deer and a squirrel who bounded into his garden tomatoes. So he got away clean to climb it into an rv and we stop for bethesda bagels do you know